our day job. Um, when we're not podcasting, we are um, writers and designers and editors and photographers of Campbell Magazine. And uh, we're really excited about this next edition, which is um, going to celebrate 14 decades of amazing trailblazing women who shaped Campbell University. And our guest in this podcast is one of those women, and that is Dr. Jenna Carpenter. She's the founding dean of the School of Engineering, is going to have its first graduating class in May. And so um, what we're about to play is just a little clip of, um, well, actually, let me backpedal just a little bit. (laughs) Um, For each of these women, uh, 14 women who we featured in the magazine, we hired an illustrator to do full page portraits of each of them. And Jenna is the first living of the uh, of the of the feature subjects who um, we showed her portrait to, and I was nervous about it. Oh, Were me you too? Absolutely. Yeah, she's I, wonderful. She's a strong personality, and if she was upset with her photo, I would be very upset. Not photo illustration. Yeah. Well, let's play that. Here, here's her reaction to seeing her um, to seeing her portrait. And faith beam, looking good. And that brings us oh, to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Just like it. Oh, as long as you're flattered by it. That's good. That's but we had a great time um, watching our illustrator produce these. She just did incredible work, and we really think she nailed people's features. And um, Yeah. She based your photo on a couple that were taken during some of your engineering photo shoots with Bill Parrish and with yeah. Bennett Scarborough. And uh, um, I think she had two or three photos of you to go on. So I thought she did a great yeah, job. So did. so you're okay with it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> we can publish the magazine Yay. now. <laughs> so I guess you liked it? Yeah, she took that pretty well. I mean, there wasn't a... <laughs> what I was afraid of was an, oh, cool. That would have been pretty well, heartbreaking. Well, I've never seen Dr. Carpenter jump or, or do any... You know, she's not a... Uh, She's very stoic. Yeah, yeah. So it was a good. It was a very good. She seemed genuinely happy with it. Genuinely surprised by it, and uh, um, that made me happy. So we've got a few more to show to a few more yeah. people here on campus. But for, let's just talk for just a minute before we dive into this interview um, about this feature, Kate. Uh, you and I um, uh, split this. We mm-hmm. we each took uh, about half of these. You know, seven stories a piece, and. Uh, um, and we chose 14 women representing 14 decades of Campbell University. So we have um, the founding First Lady, Cornelia Campbell, representing the 1800s. But then a lot of people that you and I weren't aware of when we were doing the research for this and discovered who these people were. And we came across a lot of really fascinating stories. Um, we're not going to go over all of them right now. Um, that's to come in the, in the coming weeks. But uh, just overall, what did you get out of doing this project, writing it? I got a much better understanding of Campbell's history, just in general, and not even necessarily about these women. Um, But I also really appreciated the chance to read Campbell's storytellers' views on these women, Um, just that we are part of an organization where people write about our history because they want it preserved and because we have such a small lineage of Campbell founders, and that includes the women. I mean, five presidents over a very long amount of time, and... A lot of these women were there for years and years and years and that we go to a school that loves people so well that they want to stay in this community for that long and that those women had the chance to influence as many students and faculty and staff as they did over their long careers here. I thought that was wonderful and just really um, was just yet another way that I get to embrace the Campbell family kind of community we have here. I'll just choose one of them, but it's really quite amazing 
the school's been around for almost 132, 133 years. Um, and you have a professor like Mabel Powell who was here in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, I think maybe up to the 60s even. And um, that's a name that I've only been here eight years. And that's a name very early when I got here. She's a important part mm -hmm. of Campbell history. And she was a professor. And she was a grammar professor. And you have alumni today who still say, I, I use whom and who <laughs> correctly because of what Mabel Powell drilled into my head, you know, 50 years ago. And uh, it's just amazing. I, I mean, I've never worked at another university, so I don't know this, but how many professors have that kind of impact? She has a society here named after her. She's, you know, she, yeah. <laughs> she's been gone for decades, yet um, it's a name that just lives here. And uh, it's a, it's it's a really... so impressive, regardless of how you feel about human insignificance, just the fact that someone who is a grammar professor of all the subjects to teach of all the things that people hate um did grammar have such too, a, yes. yeah. yeah and she was so beloved and clearly loved this school so much it really makes you think about what you want your life to look like and how you want people to remember you and i think that she's definitely going to be remembered for years to come and so before we get into jenna's interview dr carpenter's interview i'm sorry <laughs> i'm being ultra um casual here before we get into dr carpenter's interview i want to um really uh give the proper props proper props <laughs> uh, <laughs> the kudos i really did already kudos uh just the dessert the recognition she deserves yeah. to our illustrator amanda dockery um she's a fuquay verena um, based artist she's a young artist and we asked a lot of mm -hmm. her for this project and i don't know if she's going to listen to this or not but um, when people get this magazine and they see these illustrations, um, that's the reason we're so excited about this. And uh, wow, she just did such an amazing job. And I can't speak no. any higher of the job she did on this. Yeah, she hit the nail on the head with every single one of these women. Um, really brought out their personalities and made our job so easy that this magazine was just a joy to create. So if you're listening to this, um, the Campbell Magazine that we are referring to should be uh, hitting mailboxes next week, and uh, we will launch everything online on October 21st, so look out for that. But until then, enjoy our interview with Dr. Jenna Carpenter, and uh, thank you for listening. We put a lot of thought into the women who we were going to choose to represent each decade, and we understood that by choosing a woman, there would be many who were not chosen, and, uh, you know, a little debate. There's nothing wrong with a little debate like that, but the, hearing that, um, that you're considered a, an innovator, a trailblazer here at Campbell University, um, how's that, how, how do you react to that? Well, certainly flattered, um, you know... Um, one of the reasons I came to Campbell is because I could see that we really had an opportunity here to, um, to really build an entering school um, that does what we ought to all be doing. Uh, it builds a 21st century entering mm -hmm. curriculum, not a 20th century. Um, you know, we had support of the campus. We were well-funded. Um, you know, they trusted us to, to build um, what we felt we knew we needed to build, and so really pleased our first class graduate we've gotten rave reviews from industry you know we've had lots of student interns and uh, prospective students and so uh, of course been able to attract great faculty and staff so it's been kind of a crazy thing to do but also a lot of fun <laughs> a lot of your story goes back to um before you started here you were 
um, a national voice, a national advocate for women in STEM education and for women in engineering, and not just women, but for more diversity in all these fields. And I feel like since you've gotten to Campbell, um, you're still beating that drum and probably have a bigger platform to, to do that now. Uh, talk about why that's so important to you and how you implement that into the curriculum and into admissions here at Campbell University. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons it's important. It, first of all, it's the right thing to do, right? I mean, we should be wasting our engineering talent uh, under any circumstances. Um, one of the things I talk a lot about at the national level is that there's an urgency to it now that maybe hasn't been in the past because we've been working on this a long time collectively at the national level and haven't made as much progress as we should. Uh, a lot because of culture issues, stereotypes, things which are kind of hard to change. But if you look at the demographics uh, moving forward, you know, birth rates have fallen in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, the number of high school graduates are plummeting every year, not because kids aren't graduating from high school, because there aren't as many kids. And if you look at engineering needs, they're going through the roof. Last year alone, there were 100,000 more engineering jobs than there were new graduates to fill them, and that doesn't take into account all the people retiring, right? So there's a huge gap between the number of jobs that we've got uh, and the number of people we've got to do them. So if we only continue to attract the traditional groups we've always attracted in engineering, we haven't got a prayer of meeting workforce needs. So um, in a way that it maybe hasn't been important in the past, we have got to figure out how to attract uh, women, underrepresented students, first-generation students, kids from rural backgrounds, I mean, you name it. We've mm -hmm. got to figure out how to capture the talents that's out there and quit wasting that. So um, certainly that's been uh, key for us. Uh, I'm just personally passionate about that myself. Um, from the way we talk about our program, the way we advertise it, um, we try to help students see the breadth of things you can do with engineering. A lot of times, because of stereotypes, Students have a very narrow view of engineering. Maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe they've got an aunt or an uncle that's an engineer, and maybe that's the only person they know, and they see them come home wearing Nomex or something. That would be gross. I don't want to do that. When, you know, it's like they're looking through a peephole or something. It's a huge landscape they're not seeing. So if you can help them understand, if you like fashion, do you know how much engineering there is in fabric and materials and construction? I mean, there's a huge amount. Do you like arts, graphics? I mean, the things that you're doing is a boatload of engineering behind all this stuff. So if you can help them understand the breadth of things you can do with engineering, then kids get a lot more excited about it. They don't have those stereotypical mm -hmm. images and ideas. So we try to, to talk about engineering in that way. We do a very hands-on project-based approach. You know, in, in the 1970s, the goal was to send kids off, take a bunch of math and science, and two years later, you can come back and we'll do some engineering. But again, that's crazy. We do a whole year of engineering freshman year. It's hands-on. It's project-based. Students understand what they're learning, why they're learning, they apply it. So it's more interesting, it's more engaging. And then in terms of admissions, um, I, I know that it kind of makes us the odd person out, perhaps, in this part of the world. Most schools kind of have selective admissions, but that does exactly the opposite of what we ought to do. We need to attract more kids to engineering, not be weeding them out. Uh, I grew up in a small town, rural kind of town. Um, I was a valedictorian, I made straight A's, but I really didn't have that great a background in, in particularly in math, a little bit better in science, but, um, and you know, in defensive schools, you can't make people show up and teach classes. I mean, you can't force people to do that. So, um, um, I know what it's like to come and not be as well prepared as I ought to be. I mean, I have a PhD in math and you know, when I started out in college, I wasn't as well prepared as I need to be. So I'm really passionate about making sure that we have an opportunity, a pathway for students. Now, they got to take ownership of learning, and, and they got to take advantage of that opportunity, but we want to provide an opportunity. And because we have that, we've got kids 
Uh, you know, we've got kids that could go to any place in the country. They come here because they're passionate about our hands-on project-based approach. We have kids that might not get into other programs that come here, blow the doors off. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, all of those things help us attract and graduate a more diverse cohort. Yeah, there are quite a few spaces on this campus that you don't see on other campuses. I'm thinking particularly of the makerspace right. um, lab areas in Cary Ridge. Could you describe those um, for sure. people who maybe uh, haven't seen with them? The, we have a very hands-on project-based curriculum. So if students are going to be building quality prototypes and projects, they have to have equipment to do that. So we have a makerspace. We have 10 3D printers, vinyl cutter, embroidery machine. We had about 2,000 visits to that last year. Mm. So five days a week is free to anybody. We're not a shop, not going to make something for you, but if you come in, my student workers will teach you how to use the equipment. Wow. So, um, again, students get to apply what they're learning. We have a fab shop. Uh, I always joke that I never get to go in and play. Uh, (laughs) Metal and woodworking fabrication equipment, you might not think it's cool until you look at our show and tell. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can make door plaques, metal bag tags, uh, paperweights. We've etched glassware. Uh, I've seen people etch their Otterbox phone case, their Mm. coach wallet, right? (laughs) So the kinds of things you can do with woodworking equipment. We had a student build a guitar. So once you see what you can do with the equipment, students are like, oh, my gosh, can I play with that? Well, you have to come and get trained. We have training (laughs) all the time. But once we do that, then it's open five days a week. Anybody can come in. So students use it for their projects, but I kind of joke that we're trying to lure them into spending their spare time working on their uh, skills. And so they will come in, holidays, Valentine's, Christmas stuff. People will come in and make stuff yeah. as they can, right? And they have all these ideas. So with, the, with all the, uh, the shops and the labs on campus, they have the ability to take those ideas and turn those into reality. It's, um, it's all very hands-on, and I know um, you've been recognized, and, and I think hands-on is, is a... Uh, you've been recognized nationally for, for the curriculum you have here, but... Hands-on comes on comes up a lot, and as you mentioned, you invite the kids to come in and play on it, but it sounds like they don't really know that they're actually learning when, they yeah. do. <laughs> when they're when they building those guitars and when they're doing these things. Sneaking the vegetables into the spaghetti or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, because they have fun. In fact, you know, if, if you talk to our students, they'll admit that they've never worked harder in their life, but they said, you know, compared to their friends who are at other engineering schools, they said, but I've had a lot of fun. They haven't had any fun. Well, you know, <laughs> sitting in an auditorium with 250 of your best friends right uh, yeah, <laughs> not so much fun so a class of 24 taught in a class lab where you put your hands on things you understand what you're doing why you're doing it yeah. it's a lot more fun and when you succeed when you tackle a challenge and you work at it really hard and succeed you know that really gives you a, a, a boost in a way that i don't know something on pencil and paper definitely does of course that yeah. aspect is important too but you said you'd had 2,000 visits to these lab spaces, you yeah. said, in the last year. Yeah. Can you compare that to how many students are in the engineering program right now? Uh, we had about 190 kids last year. Okay. So it's wow. a lot of visits. Yeah. And how big will the first graduating class be? First graduating class about 40. Okay. 40. Yeah. That's We're great. Excited. Can't wait. You, uh, I remember when you got here, it was five, six years ago, maybe. Yeah. It was uh, before the program launched. You had an office in the second floor of the building that's now the engineering school, um, and none of that was there. That's none of that was there. You didn't have the workshops that you have on campus mm-hmm. now. You you started literally from scratch, and now mm-hmm. you're about to graduate that first class. Kind of, uh, you probably haven't had time to to stop and look back and say, "Wow, you know, this is how far we've come." But I'm inviting you the opportunity right now. Um, <laughs> 
just how far have you come since since starting with literally nothing? Yeah, so I walked in the door. I had three offices, a desktop, and a laptop. So I walked in the door. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, been fortunate to really hire some fantastic faculty and staff. So, you know, they certainly have been partners in, in creating and building all of this. And we have a time or two stop and go, oh, my gosh, look at all this stuff. This wasn't here before we got here. But, um, you know, started with this vision, a very hands-on project-based, a 21st century curriculum and was able to find faculty and staff that bought into that. They had some experience or at least a passion about that. And so, you know, to be honest, we just put our heads together. Um, did take the first year curriculum from Louisiana Tech that I'd helped create. And um, it was a large team of folks there that put that together and, um, and expanded that to all four years, right? So that it wasn't just first year, we were doing all four years. So we had to design the spaces, the class labs we use are pretty unique. I, I don't know anybody else that teaches every engineering class in a class lab, mm-hmm. but you can't do the hands-on approach if you're, you know, not got that ability. So we really had to create space. And the thing is, among the, you know, the, the group of us, we've got decades of experience in engineering higher ed. So we were able to bring that experience to bear. And, you know, really, I've been pretty pleased with our space. If we had to do it all over again, I'm not sure we'd make a lot of changes. But you know, we tried to put the, the curriculum there, roll it out a year at a time, and um, uh, our faculty, you know, they meet every other week and have done curricular planning for now four years, so that really helps. That helps everything connect. Means we've got themes like communication and teaming that run through the whole curriculum. We know where it started. We know what happens in this course, how you pick up in the next one. So all of that has, um, has helped us come up with, uh, I think, something that's absolutely unique in the whole country. Your first class graduates in May. Um, what uh, what will those forty, hopefully forty students, be doing? After well, some graduation? of them already have jobs. Right. So uh, we certainly they uh, we really encourage our students to do internships. Like full time salary. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like okay. you know, big person jobs. Yeah, wow. big person jobs. <laughs> uh, the the whole uh, hiring cycle starts in September, so we've got wow. kids with internships already for next year, full time jobs. So we really work with our students, encourage them to um, get internships after sophomore and junior year. Internships and engineering are paid, and they pay well. I always tell students there really is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Uh, I'm actually serious. But um, so some of them have got offers from companies they worked with this past summer, which is, you know, not unusual. Uh, some of them are still interviewing. We've had kids that have been flown all over the country to do in-person mm-hmm. interviews. So they're all, you know, juggling uh, their options right now. But uh, they'll, they'll go all over the place. Some people will stay in North Carolina. Some people have already accepted offers, you know, other far-from places in the country. They may work for a company that they work for in the summer of life. They might work for somewhere else. So they'll do all kinds of things. We'll probably have a few go to grad school, be my guess. I know engineering is a very broad term, but what are just maybe one or two of the things that you know that you have students? What is What are they doing? Uh, things like manufacturing, design. Um, one student's looking at maybe doing fire protection. They did an internship in that and go into a company that does fire protection. So um, We'll have some that go into biopharma. Mm-hmm. We have some that go into um, other chemical kind of production, robotics. Yeah. Yeah. So Even before you have a graduating class, um, to have that kind of job security in a program is really impressive. Are there mm-hmm. any companies, maybe just the local ones or anything in state that you really feel like are already recruiting from your program pretty yes, heavily? We, we've had, uh, you know, we probably had 80 kids doing internships last summer. So companies mm-hmm. like Caterpillar, Pfizer, yeah. Moen, 3M, Rockwell Collins, wow. Boone Edom, Griffles, Pfizer, Nova Nordisk. I could go on and on. And, and those are almost all names you recognize, yeah. right? Huge, so, huge companies. Yeah, huge Fortune 500, mm-hmm. multi-million dollar we had, we had kids doing internships in Wisconsin, Denver, Spain this past summer. 
Georgia, Virginia, all That's over the place. Incredible. Yeah, and, and uh, you've sent kids to Africa to do. Um, we've written about that before. We actually had a couple of those students on our on our show. Yeah. Um, we actually have a senior design project that's going to be in Africa, so hey. they may go over there to install it this spring. Well, Dr. Carpenter, uh, fifteen minutes was usually what we give these interviews, and it goes by really fast. And so we're a little bit over time right now. But um, I just want to uh, congratulate you on. Uh, reaching this milestone these first four years um, and, and having this first graduating class. I know uh, you've put an immense amount of work into this and so as your faculty and, and your staff. So congratulations for that and and uh, congratulations for being officially a trailblazer here at Campbell <laughs> University. We were really excited to, to do this story and uh, we um, we definitely think you're very deserving to be listed among the, mm -hmm. the pantheon of women here at Campbell well, University. <laughs> But no, thank you so much. And uh, if anybody wants to learn more about engineering, it's engineering.campbell.edu. And uh, thank you very much. All right, thank you. All right.